Amen. We don't want you to run out early because we're going to uh, receive communion uh, together this morning at the end of service. And uh, so if you're here as a part of the body or new to our fellowship uh, or uh, a newcomer today uh, or giving your life back to God, wanting to do that, you're welcome to partake of, uh, of the elements with us at the end of the service. So um, the, the juice uh, that we use is really just symbolic of the blood that Jesus has shed on our behalf. No covenant can be made or cut ratified without the shedding of blood. The, the shedding of the blood signifies death, and that's even in the olden days when they would uh, ratify or cut a covenant one to another. There would be an exchange of names. There would be an exchange of swords or weapons. Uh, there would be the slitting of the wrist and the commingling of the blood. The mingling of the blood was a symbol of death, and it literally meant unto the death. It meant unto the death. So it meant I'll defend you to the death. Uh, I will protect you to the death. Uh, I, I will uh, I'll fight for you. Uh, I'll pay your bills. It actually meant your debt is my debt. So covenants are very powerful and uh, uh, and when we, when we celebrate what Jesus has done for us, we celebrate that he has ratified, that he has uh, 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 sealed, that he has inaugurated a brand new covenant on our behalf with Father. And he did it as a man. He didn't do it in his divinity. We know out of Philippians chapter 2, when Jesus lived on the earth, that he laid aside his divinity, that he would walk as a man, that he took on the form of a servant, the form of a man. So when he took on the form of a man, even, even dying on the cross was not a death in his divinity. He could have reached and called legions of angels. He could have, he could have gotten off of that cross in his divinity. But in his manhood, he went through with the cross that he might take our penalty and that he might also ratify, seal, make a covenant with God on our behalf. So when we enter into Jesus, we're entering into the supreme man who has ratified, who has sealed, who has made a covenant with God on our behalf. Isn't that cool? And the bread, the, the wafer, whatever it's going to be this morning, I don't know how it will be. Sometimes it's chewy. Sometimes it's brittle. Sometimes it's mushy. Sometimes uh, you're glad. You, you just be glad you're not the preacher. Because when they're really dry and crusty, uh, and we say take the wafer first, you know, and then you eat that, and then it dries out your mouth, uh, it's like bad cotton, and it sucks all the moisture out of your mouth, and then you go to say the next thing to the congregation, and you can't talk. And you're like, I, I need some moisture, but it's not time to take the juice yet. I have to announce that we should drink the juice. And so you're praying that your saliva glands will kick in, and... I mean, it can be a real hairy experience up here trying to, oh, yeah. So then, you know, so then you usually kind of maybe come up with an amen or two. Eventually some saliva kicks in, and you can tell the congregation what to do next. Hallelujah. But the bread represents his broken body, right? The bread represents his broken body. And literally, he, he, he bore up under 
uh, he bore up under all of the penalty in his body that we deserved. Paul says to the Corinthians, he became poor that we might become rich. Rich in healing, rich in health, rich in uh, everything that the, that the curse represented. He took upon himself and his own body. Uh, fact is, there's even literature and study that uh, shows that there's 39, 39 different categories of disease, and he took 39 stripes on his back. He did that for our healing. By his stripes, we were healed. Is that amazing? Isn't that fun? So uh, as we partake this morning, you're welcome to join in with us. Go over to Romans chapter 5. Are you still glad you're here? Romans chapter 5 and 17. Come on, we're here in the receiving mode. Everybody say receiving. Did you know goodness is flowing out of Father right now? And if you are in the receiving mode, you are well able to receive it even as it flows. Amen? Holy Spirit, we welcome, we welcome, we welcome all of your goodness, and we receive grace upon grace from you. You know, it says of Jesus in John 1, 14 through 16, we read it last week, of him we have received grace upon grace. He is grace. He is the embodiment of grace. Isn't that cool? Uh, We've been reading out of verse 17 as kind of our text. It's in the middle of this most cool, amazing passage. Romans 5 is just this like astounding passage that if you believe this stuff, it'll be impossible for you to fail. Yeah. Romans 5. So we've been reading uh, verse 17, just extrapolating it, pulling it right out of the passage uh, and just reading it and using it as our text uh, for preaching over the last few weeks. Here's what it says out of the New American Standard. For if by the transgression of the one, and who is that? The transgression of the one. That's Adam. Adam transgressed. If by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, everybody say much more, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So he's talking about how powerful the abundance of grace is, how powerful the gift of righteousness is. And he says, those who receive the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace will reign in life. Kind of fun. This week I was uh, discovering that reign is a verb. Now, reign can describe a period of time uh, of which you have a throne or a position of rule, dominion, supreme influence. Uh, So it can describe a period of time. Uh, Their reign lasted 15 years. That could be the reign of a golfer or a queen, a king or a CEO, right? But it also describes an activity. It describes a behavior. It describes an outgrowth of activity, and thus reign here is a verb. Those who receive the gift of righteousness 
and the abundance of grace. And I love that he says the abundance of grace. It's because grace is a person. Grace lives in you. You've tapped into grace. So when you've tapped into grace and grace lives in you, you abide in grace and grace abides in you. When you have that kind of relationship, you haven't tapped into just a little bit of grace. Jesus is an abundance of grace. This is the quietest I've ever heard this church this morning. We might have been lacking coffee at the bar or something. I don't know. But you're in deep musing and meditation. I'm... But I'm preaching better than you're talking. That's what I'll say right now. The abundance of grace. Grace means gifting. Grace has, remember we talked about it, it's the word charis out of the Greek. It's from which we get charismatic. We're charismatic Christians, meaning it means gifts, gifting and gifts. It's 170 times in the word, the word charis. And it, it means endowment, gifting. It means favor. We know it as favor many times, right? How many believe in for favor in your life? Come on, come on, come on, come on. We've tapped into favor. We've tapped it. When you've tapped into the throne, you've actually tapped into favor. You've tapped into the spout where all the goodies come out. You, you, have, you, have, you have tapped into something. That's you. Pinch yourself right now. Make sure you're still awake. I, I, I don't want us to be robbed of this. I want us to fully participate. I want us to fully get a hold of all that God has for us. Amen. And grace means endowment. It means inheritance. It means kindness. It means riches. I really believe that it is the overshadowing word for the promises. The promises of God are the, are the breakdown of grace. How do we break it out? How do we take something so massive, so awesome, so cool? How do we take something so, so awesome and break it out so that we can understand it? We want to reach and take it from the ethereal realm and bring it into the manifest, the practical, the understandable realm. It's the promises of God. It's the promises of God, Second Peter 1, wherein the more we know of them and the more we say yes to them because the promises of God are Oh, I thought we had to beg for the promises of God. They're what? They're yes and amen. The promises of God are yes and amen to those who believe. The promises of God are how we participate in the divine nature. You're a participant in the divine nature. Pinch yourself again. Make sure you're alive. You're a participant in the divine nature. Doesn't that that sound good? Doesn't that feel good? The divine nature is in you. The King James says, quickening your mortal body, putting super on your natural. Grace is so cool. And I I really think that we don't need to beg for it. We don't need to plead for it. We don't need to petition for it. We need to stop all that because the more you beg and plead and petition for it, 
the more subconsciously you've tricked yourself into thinking that you don't have it. It is yes and amen to those who believe. Yes and amen. Favor? Yes. Amen. Endowment? Yes. Amen. Gifting? Yes. Amen. The charis, the charis of the gifts of the Spirit, those are supernatural gifts. Those are super, supernatural endowments. And he says clearly that the supernatural endowments are given to us for the common good. that they might be shed forth, that they might be poured out, that they might be made manifest for the common good. Is there a need around you? The charis is on you. Wow, I love it. The gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace are interrelated. They're interrelated. Righteousness and grace are both qualities that exist in Jesus. They're both part of his nature, and now they're part of ours because we've entered into him. We have common union with Jesus. That's why we're going to have common union pretty soon. Now, I'm saying it wrong, putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, I'm saying it wrong on purpose because I want you to see where the word came from. Where did communion come from? It's not in the Bible. It's the Last Supper in the Bible. It comes from the truth that we have been made one with Jesus. We have been made one. You have been made one with Jesus, regardless of how perfect you are so far, regardless of how you feel about this so far, regardless of moods or attitudes, regardless of weather or circumstances, regardless of clouds or sun, regardless of people liking you or not liking you, You have been made one with Jesus. That's what communion is all about. We celebrate that through his broken body and his shed blood, he, as the supreme man, made a covenant with God, and we have entered into it. And we have been made one with him, and righteousness that belongs to him belongs to us. The righteousness that is his has been put upon us. The grace that is him has been put and placed upon us and interwoven into our very being. Righteousness is right relationship with the Father, unspoiled, unharmed unity and covenant with Father, unbroken fellowship. That's yours. Grace is the goodness realm that's in, Father. Grace is ours because of righteousness. The two are tandem. When you enter into one, when you enter into righteousness, you enter into grace by faith. By faith. Everybody say by faith. Look at somebody and say by faith. You know, you know what that means? That means that, means that you can actually stop the flow You can stop the flow of that which is yours in Jesus if you'll stop faith. If you'll stop up the well of faith, if if you'll harm faith, if you will disbelieve, then you can stop the flow. But if you'll continue to believe, and you know how we've broken out salvation. We've made it a million different spokes, right? Right? We've made salvation a million different spots. We've messed up salvation. We've messed it all up. We've made salvation a forgiveness of sin experience at the altar 
wherein your name gets written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, and that's step number one. And then, and then there's a whole bunch of other exhaustive portions of salvation that belong to you that we argue over. We're not sure if that really belongs to you. And, well, we're not sure about healing. Well, we're not sure about blessings. We're not sure about grace for this and grace for that. We're not sure about those things. And we've, and we've made salvation. We've, we've, stolen, we've stolen the sozo right of, out of salvation. The word salvation is the Greek word sozo. It means delivered out of the old nature and delivered into the new. Delivered out of the old Adam and delivered into the new. Delivered out of bondage in Egypt, delivered into the promised land. It doesn't mean just coming out. Oh, you got saved and you came out of sin. Oh, you're, you're, now you're saved. You got salvation. And we stop right there. Why have we erected a speed bump, a stop sign, a gully right there? When salvation is a full work, salvation means that you've come fully into Jesus and that you shall be made like Him. You shall be made like Him. And just look at Ephesians chapter 4, if I'm messing with you. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. It says that the gifts of Jesus, the office gifts of Jesus, apostle, pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist, have been given to the church to equip the saints until they all come into the fullness of the stature of the measure of the faith that belongs to Jesus. You know what that means? That means there's a generation on the earth that's going to look and act like Jesus. And right now he's trying to convince you that you're that generation. You don't have to, it doesn't take, it doesn't have to take you 10 years to change, by the way. Well, I don't know, I will progressively, I'm going to, I'm going to progressively resist, you know. I mean, I saw Uncle George and I saw Aunt Rose, you know, I I saw it took them, you know, it took them 15 years to memorize a couple scriptures and become more perfected. And I don't know, I, I do believe God's moving in my life, I could probably... Maybe whip, whip into something here in the next 10 years or something. What are you waiting for? Hello? The Holy Spirit is working right now to convince you, to woo you, to seduce you, to trick you, to, to bring you into an understanding that you are the son and the daughter of God, that you are like the firstborn of God, that you are in the inheritance of Jesus, that you bear his nature and his image, that you've been made one with him. Whatever is, whatever is not impossible for him is also no longer impossible for you. That's grace. Woo! Grace is the goodness realm in Father. James 1.17. Every good thing. Here's what it says. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Every good thing. Every good thing. Grace is access into that goodness realm. The love, the hope, the life, every promise, 
comes out of this realm, all favor, all kindness, all that is good. That's that realm that we've entered into. Isn't that cool? Wow. Both of these realms, righteousness, grace, we've received them by faith. We've received them by faith. That is, we've heard the Word, the Word of God, which contains the power, the gift of faith in it, and we've chosen to believe it. We've come into agreement. Don't let religion keep tricking you into saying maybe someday. Start saying yes now. The promises of God are yes. Faith is now. Amen? Woo! So let's talk about this a little bit. Grace works as you put your hands to the things that God has placed in your heart and in your life. This is the way grace works. Now, I want to relate righteousness and grace, the abundance of grace. I want to relate grace. See, grace is empowerment to do. Grace is empowerment to be and empowerment to do. And reigning in life is a verb. It denotes activity. You cannot reign in life in a vacuum. You cannot reign in life in neutrality. You can only reign in life through the exercise of a behavior that is fitting, that is suiting to those who have a throne, those who have dominion. Jesus has supreme dominion. He's working out by the way He is reigning through us, the body. Did you know that? He ascended to the throne and God says, sit here as I make all of your enemies a footstool. Those enemies that he's conquering, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, the last enemy to be conquered will be death. He is conquering the enemies of the supreme man. He's putting them under his feet. You know who his feet are? Those who are his body. So Jesus is reigning. If you're a partner with him, you are reigning with him. Yes? And the grace is activated. The grace flows as you do. You can even trust this when you pray for people. Did you know that you can trust this as you pray for people? Don't, you know, uh, Jesus said to the disciples, uh, don't worry about having a word ahead of time. He said, in that moment, in that moment. Listen, how many times have you said no to the flow of grace through your life because you didn't know what you were going to do or know what you were going to say, and you yielded to fear, which is related to the Adamic nature? Hello, messing with you. You yielded to fear. I've done it too, so I'm not condemning you. This is not a condo bondo message. But listen, you know, people come up to me because I'm supposed to be the man of power for the hour, right? So people come up to me and want me to pray for them. I don't have a word. 
I don't have an utterance. That's Old Testament for a word. I'm so old, I can actually use King James vernacular. I mean, that's how old I am. I don't have an utterance. I don't have a stammering lip. I got nothing. People come, Pastor, would you pray for me? Uh, yeah. You know what you got to believe? You got to believe grace is going to flow. Why? Because you're, you're walking in the righteousness of God. And so you're tapped into the spout where the glory comes out. And so you got nothing to say. And so Lonnie walks up, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm going through this, or I got this going on, or I got some peril in my life. And by the way, this will work for you just like it works for me, right? And so I'm like, okay, praise the Lord. I just say yes. The promises of God are what? Yes and amen. Did you know you don't even need to pray in tongues for an hour to to kind of work yourself up? All of you spirit-filled folks, hello. Just messing with you right there. And so you just, you know, take hands or whatever it is. Lord, I just begin, you know, and you just start praying, right? The moment you start praying, grace starts flowing. How many of you experience what I'm talking about right here? The moment you start praying, hands up again. If you've experienced what I'm talking about, raise your hands all across this room. The moment you start praying all at once, you start hearing something out of the grace realm. You start hearing the testimony of Jesus out of the goodness realm. Right? What's that all about? Grace wasn't flowing a moment ago. It's flowing because you stepped out in work. You stepped out in faith. You stepped out in faith and applied yourself to a situation or a problem, and all at once, grace begins to flow. This is the way it is in everything in life. If you don't put your hands to something, grace has got nothing to flow onto and into. You've got to put your hand to something for grace to flow in and grace to flow on. So you got to trust that when you put your hand to something, grace is going to flow in and grace is going to flow on. How many of you know this? Psalm 1, it's what you put your hand to. It's what you put your hand to. Deuteronomy 28, we read it. It's what you put your hand to. The diligent will rule. The diligent will rule. What's that? They shall reign in life. The diligent, those who just keep putting their hands to things, those who in God, in Christ, in a unity with Him, in a common union with Christ, who are now knit to God, they will just keep putting their hands to things. And guess what? The diligent will prosper and the diligent will rule. Sounds scary? So grace works as we put our hands to the things that God has put in our heart and in our faith. The same grace for salvation is the grace for every situation. Because it's the grace of sonship. It's the grace of sonship. The abundance of grace doesn't mean you don't have to do anything and it all comes together for you. Just kind of, I want to shatter some of the uh, 
the goofy thinking out there in church world. Shattering, we just we roam about shattering some of the goofy thinking in churchdom. The abundance of grace doesn't mean you don't have to do anything and it all just comes together for you. Abundance of grace means you have the power to do more than you think. Did you hear that? The abundance of grace means you have the power to do more than you think, more than you think you could. You have the power to overcome in all situations. Reigning is a verb by implication. It means that you're doing something. Reigning flows out of behavior. Grace enables you to reign. Grace is favor on your faith. Grace is favor on your work. Grace is favor on your efforts that are presented in faith. Did you struggle with education before you came to God? Grace will put you over the top. Now, how does faith work? Well, faith works like this. You believe that grace will put you over the top, so you start saying, you start agreeing with God's nature in you. Would Jesus have trouble with education? So you stop saying what Adam would have said in his fallen state. I just can't get this. I never do get these principles. I'm just really struggling with this. I don't know why I never can get this. I don't know why I'm failing in these classes. You stop saying all that. I can't remember a blasted thing. Stop talking like the old Adam because grace is activated by faith and doing what he has put in your heart. So start saying, my mind is receptive to this information. I'm well able to receive this information. I'm growing and acquiring all that I need to to understand and to conquer these classes and this information. Hello, somebody. What am I doing right now? I'm agreeing with grace. I'm agreeing with his power within me. I'm agreeing with his love, his, 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 his enablement. Amen? Did you struggle with work before? Grace will put you over the top. Did you struggle with self-control before? Grace is now working in you to put you over the top. Did you struggle with getting out of bed before? Grace will give you the power to overcome the covers. As heavy as they might be, grace will enable you to have unbelievable biceps to push them back. We're talking about the power of the divine nature dwelling in you. Grace is not... And, and here's, what ha- here's what happens. If we don't understand how grace works, if we don't understand grace is activated through faith and combined with diligent effort, right? Because faith without works is... That's James 2.26. Say it again. Faith without... The implication, the Amplified says it really good. Faith without corresponding works is dead. You have the faith to love someone? Good. Open your wallet, give them something. Now your faith's alive. Corresponding works. You have the faith to overcome? Good. Open your mouth and say so. Now you have corresponding works. 
the power of the divine nature dwelling in you. Some think that an abundance of grace means you do nothing and God works it out for you as you do nothing. But grace in me allows me to overcome every challenge in life. Here's what happens. If I don't overcome the challenges of life, they'll overcome me. If I don't reign in life, life will reign over me. If I don't reign over sin, sin will reign over me. I have the power now to reign in life. I'm going to ask the ushers to come and prepare the elements, and I need the worship team up on the platform as well. Aren't you glad for what Jesus has done? Did you know there's a million things that demand your attention? And you know, before you came to Jesus, it could have been overwhelming, but you have the grace to do them all now. Did you know there's a million things that demand your attention, that require your attention? Ushers, if you'd come to the front, we'll just start serving from the front. And I'm just going to let you stay seated for the next few minutes while they're serving. Worship team's coming and preparing. Right after we serve, I want the prayer team to come to the front uh, so that we can pray with any of you, all of you that are just believing for breakthroughs in God. We're celebrating common union today with Jesus, who's brought us into an amazing covenant with God, covered us with his righteousness, released the divine flow of grace in our lives. You've got challenges in front of you right now. You've got bills. Did you know if you don't pay the bills, they get worse? You've got car payments. You've got bills. You've got children. There are so many responsibilities on us as people. And these responsibilities, it may not sound very good, but I had a fitting illustration. We've raised four children. They're almost like... When a responsibility is due, it's almost like a diaper that needs to be changed. Hello, somebody. If you don't attend to it, it's just going to get worse. Responsibilities. Pressing, pressing. I know that's so crazy. There's a visual right there for you. Just blew the anointing right there. Here's what I want you to see. You are well able. You are well able for every responsibility. You are well able for every responsibility. Because the enabled one lives in you. You are one with him who conquers. He conquers viruses. He conquers conquers garbage. (laughs) He conquers clutter and difficulty. He conquers diapers. He conquers retirement plans. He conquers auto problems. There is not one responsibility. There is not one issue. There is not one difficulty that He in you cannot conquer. 
You are more than a conqueror because of Him. Stand with me this morning. So I want you to do this as we, as we celebrate what He's done for us today. Again, I want you to say yes and amen. Over every, because for every responsibility, for every need, for every difficulty and every challenge, guess what? There is a promise in the Word of God that meets and exceeds that problem. There is a promise that meets and exceeds the problem, and the promise taps into the divine flow of His grace. And those promises are yes and amen. They're not beggarly. They're not achieved through more works, more crawling, more earning. They're entered into by faith. Can you say amen? Let's just worship for a moment. Songs were fitting this morning. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful over every situation, over every need, over every difficulty. Whatever is trying to overwhelm you, you shall overwhelm it. Whatever is trying to reign over you, you shall reign over it. Do you believe that this morning? Just thank Him wherever you are right now. Just thank Him. Thank Him that He's empowering you. Thank Him that He's enabling you. Thank Him that His grace is yours. Oh, we honor you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Come on, you bear His name. You shall bear His image and you shall bear His fruit because you've identified with Him and you've said yes to Him. You've said yes to Him. You've said yes to Him. Become a better receiver. Get real bad at begging. You don't want to become a better beggar. Become a better receiver. Say yes and amen. Yes and amen. We're done with begging. He qualified you to receive. Become a better receiver. Let's take the bread together.